Well, if you don't know it and you haven't figured it out yet, it's good news. Jesus is alive. And that's what we're here to proclaim to you today. Matter of fact, I guess if the only time of year all over the world, or most of the world, the message, the same message is being preached, and that is that Jesus is alive. That the tomb is empty this morning, and death has been defeated once and for all. And Jesus broke, and he took dominion over death, hell, and the grave. You know, I've, I could read you the, the Easter story, but I don't want to go that kind of that direction. I am going to be talking about that empty tomb this morning. But I kept reflecting on uh, where John the Baptist, or not John the Baptist, but the Apostle John... He was the last of the apostles that was with Jesus, that saw him, that experienced that empty tomb, that saw those nail-scarred hands. He no doubt possibly even watched when Philip said, I'm not, not Philip, but Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see, unless I touch those hands and I can feel that side. I'm not going to believe. I got an idea that John was right there with him. And when John saw all that was taking place in Jesus' life, that he had come from the tomb, and the Bible said after he was resurrected, that he went about doing miracles and showing his resurrection power that John began to pick up that message and he began to preach it all over the land until the time came they said we've got to shut this man up and so the word says that they took John can you imagine this because of the message of Jesus because that he believed in an empty tomb a resurrected savior that they took him and the bible our history tells us that they boiled John in oil but still couldn't shut him up I want to tell you that's one bad dude they couldn't shut him up, but not only could they shut him up, so they decided if you won't die, then we're going to put you in a place that you can't tell anybody. And they stuck him away on an island called Patmos. And there in the Spirit on the Lord's day, John was caught up into the heavens. John was caught up by the Lord. And John said, I turned around and I heard a voice behind me, one whose voice sounded like that of many waters. And he said, when I saw him, I fell as though I was one dead. But then that voice spoke out in the book of Revelation chapter 1. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. I have the keys of the grave and of death. He said, I am he who lives, who was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I want to declare something to you. We have sung it through this song this morning, that death once and for all has totally been defeated. It has been put under the feet of Jesus. It was the last enemy to go, and you and I do not have to be under the control and domain of death anymore in our lives. Hello? You know, all year long, for the last three years, death's been talking to us again. 
Fear has gripped a nation and gripped the world. And every time you turn the news media on, all that you heard was coronavirus. All that you heard was this disease that was taking the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. Death had a hold, whether you want to believe it or not. But I'm here to declare to you what Jesus said. Death has no longer a hold upon us. The grave cannot keep us. Death cannot squash us because Jesus... Jesus is alive because he lives this morning. I can live also. After he said that every time that you see Jesus in the scripture. Matter of fact, Isaiah saw him and he pointed into the future. He looked into the heavens and he saw Jesus. I really believe he saw them. And the angels that were gathered around him as Isaiah saw it. And he said they were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But when John saw him, he saw a different picture. John looks into the heavens now and John sees what's going on around the throne. And when John saw it in Revelation chapter Chapter 4, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, listen to what they say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Go to the next verse. Who, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Now the message has changed. Now the story is that he came to this earth to die but rose victorious. And may I tell you that death never ever, ever, ever again will death ever get its grip upon Jesus and because it will never ever, 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 ever under any circumstance get its grip upon Jesus it really cannot get its grip upon us. As John said in John 14, 19, because he lives, I shall live also. The last miracle, one of the last miracles that Jesus did was to raise Lazarus from the dead. I believe he's speaking something to us. I didn't intend death for your life. I never intended for you to go by the way of a, of a tomb. I didn't intend for you to know the pain and the suffering of death. And Jesus went by on the fourth day and he raised a man by the name of Lazarus up, called him up out of the tomb and told everybody, get the grave clothes off of him. It's time for him to start living. I'd pay all of you to go and read the Read the story of Easter through all the Gospels. I have this, this over these last few days of reading the story. One of the accounts that Matthew gives us, if you remember what happened at the cross. It was the ninth hour of the day. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth. And the Bible said as his body is weakened, he is no doubt but just about bled out. His body is so bruised and so marred. History tells us that he was so crushed by what went on through that period of time as they misused him that he was totally unrecognized. 
recognizable. He didn't even look like a human being. He was so messed up. But the last words out of his mouth as he, as he was suspended between heaven and earth was simply this. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost, the Bible said, or he died at that moment. But something happened. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The sky goes extremely dark. The earth begins to shake and quake. The Bible said the rocks began to break. Something was happening in the religious order in the temple as the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom and a new way was happening and beginning to open up. The Bible said when the rocks broke open, the graves opened up. And after his resurrection, Matthew says, after his resurrection, the dead that were in that grave got up and began to walk all over Jerusalem testifying of the resurrection power of the Lord. I'm here to declare unto you that I believe those that got up were those that possibly died prematurely, that the enemy had put his hand upon them. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Death no longer has a hold upon the people of God. Well, pastor, why are we dying? What are you talking about death? You and I need to understand what death is, especially from the perspective of what we've been singing about and what I'm declaring to you and from the Bible. Because if I go by the way of the grave, I'm still not dying. I'm just going by the way of a grave into, I'm transitioning into a new life where I'll live forever. Matter of fact, I was created, so were you, to live forever and ever. But whether the Lord comes and receives us, I'm still going to live with Him forever because death doesn't have a hold upon us. So what are you talking about, Pastor, this death thing? I try to put a topic, give you a title for this stuff. I'll just put it like this. It's a matter of life and death. What's going on here this morning is a matter of life and death to every person in this room. And to every person that is upon the planet and going to be listening to preachers all over the world. Matter of fact, I would encourage you today, just put in a, com a commercial out there real quick. Uh, Free Chapel has a great, uh, a great Easter live celebration for the family. You ought to go watch it. It is powerful. It talks about the resurrection and the, and the crucifixion of Jesus. But what are we talking about when we're talking about this death thing? You see, where did death come in? It was never designed for you and I to have to deal with. I don't believe a one of us were, were meant ever to go by means of the grave. Now, don't anybody get messed up. I'm not saying that people won't die. But just pay attention to what I'm going to share with you. Man was created to live forever. God was eternal. So when God made man, he put him in the Garden of Eden. And he blessed him. Man was created male and female. And God gave him the whole world. He said, this is going to be your domain. I want you to rule it. I want you to have charge of it. And I want you to make it like heaven because that's really where you're from. But he gave him a command. He said, of all the trees of the field, of all the trees of the garden you can have, but there's only one tree that I'm going to ask you not to touch of. Because the moment you touch it or eat of it, you will surely die. So what was he talking about? He's going to die. 
And we all know the story that back there in creation, in the very beginning, the serpent came in and deceived the woman. She said, he said, haven't you considered the tree that's in the midst? Yes, I've considered it. But God said, we are not to touch it nor eat of it lest we die. And Satan said this, God knows that you won't die. But in the day that you eat of it, you will be like him, knowing good from evil. Or knowing good and evil. So what happened when Adam and Eve took of that tree? The Bible said they died. But yet they're living. There's two major aspects that you and I need to understand about the death that we're talking about this morning. First one, there is a spiritual death. The first death that came upon Adam was a spiritual death that separated him now from the heart of God. It separated him from the presence. It separated him from the glory of God. He's living, but yet he's separated. He's dead. He's dead to the one that provides everything that he'll ever have need of. He's been separated from him. The second death that came upon Adam, I'm going to call it like this. It is his. It is to be a soulish, physical death or a separation of life that we were intended to live. Now all of a sudden after Adam enters into this enters into this place as he sins against God as he partakes of that tree now all of a sudden something's happened. I, I, I've got to get away from the place that I have been. I can't stand in the presence of God. Not only can he not stand there, but now he's trying to cover himself up. He's trying to make a way. And Adam and Eve began to encounter an experience. Emotions, that's what your soul is. It's your mind, your will, and emotions housed within this body. And they begin to experience things they've never experienced before. And it came after they experienced or had an encounter with death. They begin to encounter fear. They begin to encounter loss. They begin to lose their confidence. How do you know they lost their confidence? Because they were both before this time. They were naked and not ashamed. But now I can't even stand in the presence of one that is like me. Like I was before. All of my confidence. Now inferiority. Now weakness. Now everything imaginable was filling Adam's life. That he was encountering. And none of it is what God ever intended for it to be. He had a problem. He sinned against the Lord. Where did it come from? You have to understand something. God never intended for man to die. It was a plan of the enemy. It is a part of what is called sin. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 6, For the wages of sin is death. What is a wage? What is a wage? A wage is that. Is what it is provision. It's what you've agreed upon. It's something that you do in exchange for something that will be done. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. There is no, listen, there is no way out of it. When sin enters the picture, then death automatically comes in because death has its grip upon sin. May I tell you, there is a problem that Adam had. It couldn't take a medical cure. Would not do it. If he had all the penicillin, if he had all the vaccinations, if he had everything, and that's not a political statement, I'm making a statement. If 
if he had everything medically that this world could throw at him, it would not change his sinful, dying condition. May I tell you, not only was it, not only was it medical science couldn't take care of it, psych, uh, psychology will never change it. Friend, when you're in sin and you're dying, you can see a psychiatrist for all you want, spend everything you have. You can go through counselor after counselor after counselor. I have them in the room. They're here. One of the things that we're trying to deal with in our nation and our world is the hate, the anger, the frustration, all of this stuff. And we think if we just tell people to be good, it will change them. That is not the problem. It's a sin issue. And it's going to take something more than a psychiatrist to take care of it. You can't even buy your way out of sin. I don't care. I've watched these kids up here throwing big bucks around while ago trying to pull a young lady. Big bucks can pull people into sin, but big bucks can't get you out of sin. I don't care what you donate to the church. I don't care what you give to the poor. I don't care what you give to the nations of the world. Your money cannot buy you out of sin. Matter of fact, you could say, I'll give myself. I'll give my time. I'll serve you. Humanity, I'll serve in any way I can. May I tell you this morning, may I tell you that, that it itself alone cannot, cannot uh, get you out of sin. Your time of just showing up, even you coming to the house of God. Even you showing up for service will not move you out of the place of sin. There is nothing that will answer that but God himself. And God saw the issue that man had sinned. But before the foundation of the world, God had already brought an answer. I will send my son in the flesh and blood of sinful man that he would come and die and conquer once and for all this thing called death that the devil had put upon people. Let me tell you your problem this morning. You want to blame God for all the bad stuff that comes and goes. It wasn't God that brought anything bad to your life. God is always intended for every person in this room. I may not be able to answer your question every situation, but I do know enough about this book. And I've read enough about this book from cover to cover to know that God is good. And there is nothing but goodness in the heart of God. And even when bad things come upon good people, the good God is there to help Help them through this bad moment of time. I want you to know your answer this morning is Jesus and Jesus alone. Your answer is in the one that came from heaven to earth to die upon a cross so that you and I could be set free. He came, the Bible said. He desired to be like you and I. Because you see, it took a man to answer it. It took a man to answer it. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then John said it like this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He come and He moved among us. He took upon us our sicknesses, our diseases. 1 John 3, 8 says this, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the, to destroy the works of the devil. 
That was his whole purpose of coming. Pastor, I just believe this is all a fluke. Well, you can believe whatever you want. But one day you're going to face the life and death issue. Either you will live forever. Matter of fact, let me just say it like this. You will live forever. But may not in the state that you want to live forever. But you be in that place separated totally from the presence of God. Something you, two things you need to understand. First of all, what happened at the cross? Jesus at the cross paid the price for sin. It's just that simple. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room. I've got wonderful people here. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you what this book says. And this book is the standard by which we believe and which we build upon our life and how God has revealed Himself to mankind. It says that sin was passed upon all of us because of that turkey back there in the garden. He was a jerk. His action. So if you're going to blame anybody, don't blame God. Blame that dude. But because of that, that sin nature was passed upon all of us. And we all owed a debt that we could not pay. But Jesus came and he paid a debt that he did not owe. It was through the shedding of his blood that would wash away my sin. What can wash away my sin? And what can make me whole again? Man, you guys are a good choir. But that's what Jesus came to do. See, the cross paid the price. It pleased the Father, according to Isaiah 53. It pleased the Father to bruise Him and to make His soul an offering for sin. So when you and I couldn't pay enough, it was the blood of his dear son, Jesus. And the reason he could do that is because he loved you too much to leave you in that condition. I don't know about you. I love every one of you, but I don't love you that much. I'm sorry. My kids are in the room. My grandchildren are in the room. I love every one of you. I'd fight for you in a minute, but I'm probably not going to sacrifice one of my children. Don't be religious on me. You wouldn't do it either. Hello. But Jesus, Father gave it all, and Jesus come willingly. He didn't fight. We see the reenactments of Jesus. I got an idea. If we watched The Passion, my wife was watching that recently. I cannot watch that show. It is too horrific for me. As they were ripping his body with that, with that whip as it came across his back and those soldiers mistreating him, they portray it to be that way. And no doubt that could be as close to realistic as it could be. But I got an idea that in the heart of Jesus, is it God? Guys, what are you doing? Y'all don't have to be rough with me. I'm going to go there. You're not going to have to fight me. He said, I'm going to lay my life down freely. Nobody's going to take my life from me. I don't think they had to chain him to a post. Now, they did, no doubt. But I believe, Pastor, he probably was just going to grab that post and hang on. Go ahead, guys. I'm ready. Give it to me. Because he said, I'm going to freely... 
out of my own desire, out of my own heart, I'm going to give you my back. And through the shedding of blood, it was offered unto the Father a sacrifice that was well-pleasing, that restored us, that forgave us of all of our sin. Well, what about the cross? Or what? No, what about the tomb? What about the tomb? The tomb is as equally as important as the cross. Don't want to take anything away from the cross. But the tomb is equally as important. Paul said it like this. That if we will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died and rose again. We can be saved. What happened at the tomb? Why was it so important for us to celebrate Jesus? Why is it so important for us to know today that that tomb is empty? Because when Jesus got up out of that grave, it allowed every one of us to be restored physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, in every way possible to be restored back into the life and the glory that Adam had before he ever sinned. That's the reason it is so important. Remember, the only thing left in the tomb when they got there was the grave clothes and a napkin. You remember what happened with Lazarus when Lazarus got out? He said, get those grave clothes off of him. Get that off of him that man and sin has put upon him. Let him go and let him free. And Jesus let us know that it was grave clothes left in there. Listen, friend, Jesus didn't go in there by himself. You and I went into that tomb. He carried our sin and iniquity in his body. We were already guilty, bound up in grave clothes. But Jesus came and he came out of the tomb. And because he lives now. Hello. Isaiah said it like this. He was wounded for my transgression. Cross. He was bruised for my iniquity. Cross. The chastisement of my peace is upon him. Cross. But with his stripes we are healed. Tomb. Because now he paid for it back here. But now I can live it out. Sin and sickness, disease no longer has to have a hold upon our bodies. Come on somebody. See, we're just so accustomed to death having its way. Well, if you're going to die, you might as well die sick. Who told you you had to die like that? Who told you you had to transition out of here like that? If I'm going to die like that, I'm going to pick what I'm going to die from. Because I don't want one of those things going to eat me up and all that stuff. I want the easiest way out. But God never intended for that to happen. Matter of fact, you can go back into the scripture and you'll see where righteous men just went to sleep in the Lord. Matter of fact, I believe we're coming a day and it isn't far off, brothers and sisters. You and I might not know what it is to be six feet under because Jesus is going to come and he's going to give the shout of the archangel and we, the church, are going to arise victorious. Scripture says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It will also quicken your mortal body. It will bring life to this thing right here. Now I know. See our problem is what's going on in the world. Our problem is what we see in people's lives. Don't be deceived. 
And don't be fooled by the sins of people that live around you and that seem like they are getting away with it. Because the Bible said, I've quoted it once and I'll quote it again, the wages of sin is, the wages of sin is, say it with me, the wages of sin is, you can't, get, you can't do it and not have a wage. Now, it may not ever get exposed, and it may not ever be a big deal, but it's taking your peace. It's taking your joy. It can affect your health. It can affect your body. It can affect your wealth. It'll hit you in more ways than you could ever imagine. Sin always has a way. Say it with me one more time. The wages of sin is. It's what? Death. But the gift of God. But the gift of God, but the gift of God, but the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See, here's the deal. Now, I know a lot of people in this room, I don't know where everybody's at, and I'm not preaching at any one person. I just gave, given you what God put in my heart. But you see, the reason we get so messed up about this stuff and we let death hang on to us so long is, is because we think because sin is going unpunished that nothing is going undone. I want you to look at this passage with me in Ecclesiastes. If you can put it up there for me, whoever's back there, Miss D. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse, verses 8 through 11. Because the sentence of an evil work is not executed speedily, Therefore, the heart of the Son of Men is set in them to do evil. You need to pay attention to that. Therefore, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is set to do evil. And though a sinner does, does an evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged. Yet I surely know it will be well with those who fear God. Who fear before him. But listen to this. But it will not be well with the wicked. Nor will he prolong his days which are as a shadow because he does not fear God. I want to read it to you out of Message Bible. Pay attention to the words. Because the sentence against evil deeds is so long in coming, people in general think they can get by with murder. Even though a person sins and gets by with it hundreds of times throughout a long life, I'm still convinced that the good life is reserved for the person who fears God, who lives reverently in His presence, and that the evil person will not experience and that the evil person will not experience a good life no matter how many days he lives. They'll be as flat and colorless as a shadow because he does not fear God. I don't know if you caught it. I didn't know. It's been a while since I saw the drama that you used. But notice what he said. As a shadow. As a shadow. Do you remember when Jesus was holding back this force of hell against this young lady. He was holding back what the enemy would love to do to ravish her and totally, totally annihilate her. What is the shadow 
all about. I believe there's three reasons why, friend, that God doesn't move speedily. And the moment you sin, lightning bolts come out of heaven and burn us in our shoes even when we deserve it. Because I want to tell you, it's a hard thing for me to think about a full-grown man that will take a little baby girl and he will misuse and abuse that little child. That is a hard thing for me to imagine. It's a hard thing for me to comprehend. Somebody that would come in and do harm to my family, that would come in and harm my wife or harm any of my children or grandchildren. It would be a hard thing for me to to handle that and to hold that back. But why does it look like God seems to let everything go if His message is so powerful? Three reasons real quickly and I'm going to land this jet. First of all, because of his eternal plan. Because you're a part of his eternal plan. You know, he could have started back over way back there, but he didn't. You and I would have never known it. He could have rewrote history. He could have rewrote the whole story. He could have looked. Have you ever saw somebody build something? I have. I've done this. We'll do this This probably this past week or this next week. We'll look into this meeting. I'll sit with a few leaders and say, hey, what could we have done better? If you've ever built a home, I know Matt and Tanya just built their home and moved in it. But I guarantee you they had planned it well. But they may have, may have. I don't know, maybe you're not there at this moment. You've lived there long enough that if I had to do over, I think I would do. Have you got there yet? Oh, yeah. See, God would never do that. He never looked back and said, I think this is what I should have done. But the Bible said according, and I don't have time to read every one of these, and I'll just land the jet. In Ephesians chapter 1, it said, Before the foundation of the earth, Christ died for us. And that He came and He sanctified us. I'm paraphrasing just for time. And He paid the price to redeem us from all of our sin so that you and I could walk in forgiveness. See, it's His eternal purpose. That's why sometimes you don't understand what is it. What is holding it back? What is keeping me? The shadow of God watching over me is keeping right now. It's keeping judgment and it's keeping death off of me. Second reason I believe is His great love for each one of you in this room. For God so loved all of us that He gave His only begotten Son. Peter said it like this. He's not willing that any of us should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Because sin, even religion, demanded. You're caught, you're guilty, you're stoned. And even some of us in this room are like that. You're caught, You're guilty, you're done. Never again can you operate, you're dead. But God's love overshadowed, overshadowed. The Bible said, where sin doth abound, grace, the love of God doth more abound. Here's the third reason. Here's the third reason. It's His great, great grace for us. Mercy keeps me. From what I really deserve. But grace gives me what I don't deserve. And His grace is overshadowing us. God said, I'll give you another day. That's why the psalmist said, His mercy is new 
every morning. I never will forget the words of an old black preacher from years ago that said this. I don't care what you did today. If you can just get through to midnight, His mercy, His grace is new to you every morning. I believe if you got caught yesterday, if you messed up today, I believe there's grace there. If God gives you another day, it's not so that you could say, hey, I got, a, I got, got away with it. No, it's for you to be able to run to Him and say, I cannot do this without you. Finally, Paul said, Paul said this in Romans 6, in just a few moments, there'll be a number of you are going to be baptized. And Paul says it like this, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives he lives to God. Now listen to this word. Likewise, you also. Reckon, reckon, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust thereof. For once and for all, he died. He who knew no sin became... You know Jesus had to die? Not just to please the Father. That was the main purpose. But He had to die. Donnie, He could not live. Why? Because the Scripture says He took my sin. He took your sin. He took your sin. Took your sin back there, all over this building. He took it in his body. He that was totally innocent, that did nothing to deserve it, he took it. He had no other choice. His flesh would have to die because the wages of sin is death. But when he died, and he conquered death. No longer did death have a hold upon him. Now notice this word. Jesus paid it all. I'm confident of that. I've already told you there's nothing you can do. No way you can work it out, pay it out, serve it out, love it out, whatever you want to call it. Jesus paid it all. But friend... He said, therefore, let not sin have its way. You'll either live for Him or you'll step right back in to the path of death even though you've been freed from it. Even though He paid the price. It really is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of whether you will live with Him forever or that you will live in a place of eternity called hell that was never meant for a human being, but it was meant for the devil and his angels. And if you go to hell, it will not be God sending you there. 
it will be your choice to step in there. And once you're there, there's no way out. This is your moment right now. This is why God give us this day so that you and I could be free. He said, I have the keys to it. I have the authority over it. And all he asks you to do, if you can trust me, if you can trust me, if you'll put your faith in me, I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you of all your sin. I'll restore your life back to wholeness again. You know, so many go through life. You've accepted a life that God never intended. Some of you, no doubt, have said, well, this is just my lot in life. There's no such thing. You pick that up. Because unless it lines up to this, unless it lines itself up to this, it's a lie from the enemy that you have bought into. Some of you said, I, I, I can never be forgiven. Will somebody in this place help me? There's not a sin anywhere that I've found that is not forgivable. You know the only sin that God won't forgive is simply this. You have tasted it, you have seen it, you've experienced it, but you totally reject it. You say it's nothing to it. According to my word, it's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He said, when I sent my spirit to deal with your heart, you said, I want nothing to do with it. That's very dangerous ground to walk upon. I'm not here to play with your emotions. I just brought to you the Word of God and what this day is about. And the hour of which we live is getting too important for us to live any way we want. God is calling His church to rise up, His people to turn back. What about you, friend? Stand with me, would you, all over the house? Thank you, Jesus. Worship team is coming back to get in step for a moment. I want every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. Friend, I want to tell you there's not a person in here that's going to throw a rock at you or misjudge you in any form or fashion. Church is not about perfect people. It's about imperfect people and a perfect Savior. There's not a person in this room that I don't think of that hasn't gone through something, that doesn't maybe have a skeleton or a secret in their closet that... They don't want anybody to know. But the grace of God has covered them. And the blood of Jesus come and cleanse them. So I want you to know this morning, we're not here to throw stones and to throw rocks. But I am here to tell you that if you're living in sin, what do you mean living in sin? It literally means missing the mark. I'm not living the life that God intended for me to live. And even though he's gracious and merciful, you still cannot live any way you want to. We've bought that lie. That, you know, I, I, he's paid it all and, and we're... No, that's a lie. He did pay it all. But you've got to embrace him and choose to follow him and walk with him. If you're in this place this morning, on this Easter Sunday, resurrection is about you. God wants to restore and redeem your life from destruction. He came to rescue you, friend, 
and to pull you back. So I'm going to ask you, are you where you need to be with Jesus this morning? Has sin got a grip on your life this morning? Are you ready to be free of it? If you are, then I want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, you're talking to me now. Hold it up real high so I can see it. I see hands going up all over the room. Altar workers are coming right now, getting in their spot. Keep your hands up, you that have got them up. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe with you. This is your moment. This is your morning. This is your moment that everything is going to change. God wants to totally restore you. He wants to redeem your life. So as the altar workers have taken their place, listen, this is no time to be ashamed and no time to feel guilty. We are not going to judge you or throw a stone at you. But we are concerned where you are. If you lifted your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus, but I'm ready to see the turnaround in my life. I want you to step from your seat right now. All of you that lifted your hand, make your way down to one of these prayer people here. They're going to help lead you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to minister to you. Everybody that lifted your hand, it's not about joining a church. This is about you and Christ. This is about Jesus transforming your heart, your life. Come on, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Whether you lifted your hand or not, come on. Do it now. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your moment. Come on. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Come on. Take a good look at where you are. Jesus wants to transform your life. Hallelujah.